This is the Revenue with Real Estate podcast, helping you understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing so that you can lead a life that you love. Are you ready to talk some real estate investing? Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Doug Myers. In this episode, I am speaking with the founder of the YXE Real Estate Group, Michael Bug. Michael is a full-time real estate investor based in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. He began buying properties in 2010 while working full-time as a veterinarian, and over the years, Michael's expanded his buy-and-hold real estate portfolio, continuing to cut down on the amount of time he spent working as a veterinarian. In July of 2018, he officially hung up his stethoscope to focus full-time on real estate investing. One of Michael's greatest passions is helping others take control of their financial future through real estate investing. He is currently launching several initiatives to help the veterinary community lead more balanced and purposeful lives. He believes that real estate investing is really just the start of the journey. It's more about the impact you can have on people's lives. In our conversation, Michael shares with you how he became a real estate investor, what kind of properties he started buying, and how over time he scaled up his real estate portfolio. He'll also talk about that jump from leaving his job to working full-time as a real estate investor, what kind of challenges he came up against and how he's overcome them by having a coach, having a very supportive team behind him, and making it clear what he wanted to obtain out of his real estate investment portfolio. After sharing his story and discussing a lot of the mindset behind being a full-time real estate investor, Michael shares with us the tactical ins and outs of his portfolio. What kind of properties does he invest in? What kind of investment strategies does he use? And how does he attract and maintain good relationships with his investment partners? At the end of our conversation, Michael shares with us a few tips that he thinks any real estate investor can benefit from, as well as some of his risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing. Having known Michael for a few years now, this was an absolute pleasure to bring him on the show. He's a genuine voice within the real estate investing community, and he really wants people to succeed and see what real estate investing can do for their lives. It's time to welcome him in to the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. Here is Michael Bug. I know that we have sat across the table at Cactus Club many a time. Now we just got the oh, mics yes. on, man. Now we just got the mics. Yeah, there's nothing. It's nothing not, different. Nothing's really. changed. Now you're just on the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, Mike, you know, if I introduce you, I feel like I'm going to talk my ear off or everybody's ear off, and it's just not going to be as fun as if you do it yourself. So for oh. those who don't know who you are, I'd love for you to uh, introduce yourself here on the show, and we'll get this ball rolling. Who are you, Mike? Oh, wow. I, I thought I thought maybe you were going to do the intro, but it, for me, if I have to explain myself to people, you know, it's changed recently. I'm going to start say, first and foremost, I'm a husband uh, to Rosalie, recently a dad to Riley, which has just been incredible. Uh, obviously, a real estate investor. Uh, veterinarian, still kind of contributing to the veterinary community. Um, and really, 
moving to, to trying to become more of a connector. So that is how I would kind of describe myself. Mm-hmm, right on. And you are based out of Saskatoon. That's correct. You betcha. And yeah, is that sunny Saskatoon? Sunny Saskatoon. Sunny side up. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, all of your investments are, uh, you invest exclusively in Saskatoon at this point. Is that correct? Uh, exclusively in Saskatchewan. We do have a few investments outside of Saskatoon, but primarily Saskatoon. Gotcha. Okay, cool. And we know we're going to get into the nuts and bolts of the portfolio and what kind of investment strategies you like to do as we move along here. But let's start at the foundation. I'd like to ask you just to, you know, let's build a bit of a background here. What inspired you to get started in real estate investing? I know you used to used to have a job, used to be employed as a veterinarian, and and I understand there's certainly a, a good backstory to that. So what got you started in this game, my friend? Yeah. Well, that's a good question, Doug. Um, I got to throw a curveball right out of the gate because I would argue that it wasn't even inspiration that got me started in real estate investing. It was more desperation, if I'm being completely honest. So where I knew that something needed to change in my life was all the way back to when I graduated as a veterinarian. So to become a veterinarian, pretty long process. You do a bunch of volunteering, uh, summer jobs, uh, lots of schooling. And so by the time I had finished my schooling and went back to work where I had done all my, my summer placements, uh, that was in 2008. And if anyone remembers 2008, that is when kind of the world was crumbling. The financial markets were all, were all a disaster. And when I went back to work, um, the person that had owned the veterinary clinic done everything right in their life, sold the veterinary clinic and rode off into the sunset, was back picking up shifts. And that's when I started to question just absolutely everything I had been taught in my life. So previous to that, I had been taught you go to school, you get a good job, save 10% of your paycheck, work for 30 years and you'll retire happily. And there I was working side by side with someone who had done all the right steps, but was not able to retire. So that's when I knew, holy man, I got to do something different with my life. At that point, I still didn't know it was real estate, but that's what sort of put the, uh, the seed of inception, I guess, in my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so interesting. Uh, I've heard the story from many, many different people. You're told this story of, you know, get a good job, get a good education, get a, get a high paying job, which I would assume just as a vet would be a pretty high paying job. Um, that you, yeah, you put away a portion of your paycheck, you invest in RSPs and mutual funds, and 40 years later, you're good to go. I've heard it enough from a number of different people now that it's not always the case. And in fact, times have changed a little bit that it's really not the case on a standard basis anymore. Yeah. And like, I mean, obviously I can't complain, like being a veterinarian is a great job. And certainly like statistically, it's above average pay for sure. But I just, for me, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy and I mapped out what I wanted my life to look like and I mapped out what I was making and what I could save and the numbers just did not work. Something needed to change. Mm-hmm. And it, at that point, is that when kind of the real estate started to come into play or was it uh, unintentional perhaps that you stumbled across it? So... Yeah, like building off that story of, of graduating in 2008, and that was when I realized, okay, 
the, the standard model I've been taught is not going to work. But at that point, I was still so busy just trying to learn how to be a veterinarian. I, I honestly never gave it much thought. I just knew I had to do something. And it wasn't until I had a few years of kind of the nine to five grind under my belt. And, and I spoke to kind of desperation being what led me into real estate. And that started to build like after kind of constantly doing that nine to five and knowing that it wasn't going to get me where I wanted to. That's when real estate finally showed up on the scene. So um, I believe it was about 2010. Uh, so two years after I had the idea before I actually started taking action on it. Um, and, it and it was the classic books, you know, like the rich dad, poor dad that made the light bulb go on that, hey, real estate could be the answer for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the main resources. I've yeah. actually done a couple interviews already in the show here, and I think both guys mentioned it. You know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, Secrets of Investing in Canada, or uh, Secrets of the Real Estate Investing Cycle. Um, you know, it's it's funny, it just shows up, shows up, shows up. So for anybody who hasn't read it yet, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, it's a good start, good place to start. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. What happened from there, man? So from there... Um, Honestly, what, what really catapulted us was um, the government rolled out a grant here in well Saskatchewan-wide, but here in Saskatoon, where you could get $30,000 to develop a house with a legal basement suite. And that was kind of where I was tracking anyway, right? I wanted to get into real estate. I wanted to get into rental property. And this $30,000 grant was just too good to pass up. And so that's what ultimately made me pull the trigger on our first buy and hold rental property. And then once we started seeing how that performed in comparison to our other sort of traditional investments, we were hooked. I mean, I think we did four in our first year. And from there, there was no turning back. Mm -hmm. And at this point, you're, you're able to self-finance, do it all yourself kind of thing. Were you a part of a real estate investing community at that point? Or is this just all the Mike Bug show? Oh man, I, how deep do we want to go on this one? So at that point, I was still very much hiding under a rock, right? Um, so I'm working as a veterinarian. Rosalie's working full time. We're doing this real estate thing behind the scenes. Our close friends and our family knew about it, but certainly we were not uh, out on social media. We were not networking. Um, and you know, honestly, if I, if I dive into that, lots of that is probably like fear of failure, right? It, you know, like if this didn't work out, I didn't want anyone to know. And so we were hiding at that point. So no one would have known that we were real estate investors. And then you came out of the real estate investing closet at some point. I did. Yes. I should have done it years and years sooner. Um, but eventually we did climb out of that. Nice. Right on. And now, you know, let's fast forward a few years. You are... You know, you you put in place this plan to try and leave the job. Maybe let's start there because that's that's actually what you know. To to make this just a personal note, we met at a real estate investing a workshop a weekend, and uh, I was I was inspired because you were a couple of steps ahead, if it were, and you took the jump um, before I did. And I kind of got to watch you prepare for it and then, you know, chat with you about a year into it. And, you know, you really led me to think, hey, this was possible and then I could do it myself. So push pause right before you're, you're, you're kind of thinking about, hey, you know, I don't think I can keep doing this vet thing forever. And I'm going to take that jump. Tell us about that process and how you got there. Okay. 
I will, but I'm just thinking back to how we specifically met like for the very first time. Um, Cause I remember that very well. And it's funny that you say that I inspired you because you inspired me. Cause I don't know if you remember this or not, um, but I believe they were giving away like a bundle of books. I can't even remember what the books were for, um, but they were like, whoever can put up their hand, stand up and tell a story about whatever it was gets these books. And you know, I, I can be actually pretty shy in large crowds and upstands Doug, who I've, I'd never met you before in my life. And I was just so impressed because how, I don't know how many people would have been at that conference. Hundreds for sure. Yeah. I was like probably about 300. <laughs> yeah. And so I was so inspired when you just stood up and shared your story. And I remember I was like, I got, I made notes of like mental notes of like, who's that guy. And then when we were out in the hallway, like on one of the breaks, I came, came up to you and was like, good job. Like I'm impressed because that was still a skill set uh, that I hadn't, hadn't tackled yet. You know, the speaking in public or standing up. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to share that because it reminded me of that, of that, of how we met. So cool. you're an inspiration to many others. <laughs> cool, man. I appreciate that. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Sorry to throw the curveball there, no, but yeah, man. so, All good. so how did we sort of, uh, I believe your question was how did we kind of like ramp up, I guess, when I was considering leaving the job, because that's when you and I started having regular conversations and getting pretty deep because we both had similar goals, I believe at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's correct. I'll, I'll kind of guide you here. I mean, I'm looking for that point where you really made the decision that, hey, yeah, I want to quit my job. Let's make a plan for it. Let's start taking action on it. Where do I need to get? And, you know, why was that the time to make the leap? Okay. So there, I, have, I have a bunch of stories to share in here, but it, it was around 2017 when when I finally was like, okay, like I've got to quit playing small and I've got to like take charge of this thing and actually start putting steps in place that are going to get me out of like my veterinary career. Um, So the first thing I did was just make the conscious decision to start networking. And that had an unbelievably powerful impact on my development. So just going to local meetup groups, um, continuing to show up, um, and that was one of the, the things that really started to fast track us. And the, the story um, th- where the, the straw that broke the camel's back, I guess we'll say, is I was working away at the vet clinic and I remember this one, uh, and I love cats. Like I'm a, I'm a big cat fan. This one cat comes in that is unbelievably wild. If anyone has ever worked with fractious cats, like they are impossible to handle. And there's three of us, me and two, two of the techs are trying to, to work with this cat. And one of the girls is holding him with these big gloves on because he's trying to rip us all to shreds. And he starts pissing everywhere and she's holding him and he pisses all over me and all down my face. And I'm covered in cat piss. And I remember, I still, I can feel it right now. I'm standing there and being like, I'm done. Like, I'm done. <laughs> this is it. It's over. This is it. <laughs> so, and at the time I was working uh, with a coach, I had a, like a real estate coach um, that, that was helping me kind of build, build my portfolio and systematize it to, with the goal of leaving the job. And we were having one of our regular calls and I told them this story. And that is when we literally 
I was kind of looking down because I was a bit defeated and we were, he was screen sharing. And by the time I had looked up, he had three dates written on the screen. And he's like, which one of these is it going to be? And he just circled one. And that was it. July 17th, 2018. That was the last day of, of work. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. And so, sorry, I, I, I want to, don't want to interrupt you. You have something to say there? No, that's it. I'm just laughing because I can still like what I think back to that. I can still uh, remember that day, like the getting peed on and the the just being like, I am done. Ugh. <laughs> I feel like I just got peed on, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's gross. Ugh. Just disgusting, but also a really good story. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Well, that's awesome. It's so, uh, it it brings up a good point about working with a coach. I kind of want to circle back to that a little bit later, but let's, let's just really quickly pause. I know we're building this big foundation to talk about a a lot of the actual, you know, tactical stuff that you do from a real estate standpoint now. Um, but what does the portfolio look like at this time? And the reason why I'm asking is because I, I want to highlight for people that, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily take this monstrosity of a portfolio for you to take that leap, if that's what you want to do, right? I'm not saying, you know, quit a job, I'm not saying that's, that's everybody's path because it's not. But I just do want to highlight that if you think that that light is at the end of a very, very far tunnel, you're probably mistaken because it actually doesn't take that much if you're willing to take the leap. So I'm just curious what that portfolio looked like you looked like for you at that time before you made the jump. Yeah. So I'm trying to think back where it was when we quit. Our, our portfolio is kind of two separate, distinct portfolios. We have a collection of very high quality single family homes with basement suites. Um, and those would all be like 2012 or newer. So basically like new construction, purpose-built rentals. And that was the portfolio that we started into. And that was very intentional because when we were starting, uh, we were both working, working at jobs. And our, our, one of our key focuses was low maintenance, low management. And so we, we built a portfolio. I, I think we're like 13 houses, probably about like somewhere around 20 or 25 like doors of, of single family, like high quality units. And then the other part of our portfolio, which really started coming online more after or while I was quitting my job is the multifamily portfolio. And so that portfolio is like multifamily apartment buildings that are more of like a, a B class, maybe a C class apartment building that we, we started incorporating into the portfolio so that we could grow and scale. Mm-hmm. And just specifically, you know, you mentioned the terms there, grow and scale. So by the way, let's stop for a second. So you, we've, we've made it. We've made the jump here. Um, obviously a really exciting moment. I don't want to gloss over this. We'll talk about kind of the, the uh, two, we've chatted about this before. I want you to share with it again, though. Uh, talk about the two opposing forces. This feeling of total elation and joy that you've quit your job and and now you're really pursuing, you know, your, your life as it were, as a, a real estate investor. Talk about that versus 
the on the other side of the coin, the anxiety and the stress around walking away from a high paying job and kind of not really knowing necessarily where the paychecks are going to come from, depending on how well the portfolio is doing at a given time. And, you know, the, the adjustment of being an employee for someone else to being uh, the man who calls the shots. Yeah, this is a great discussion point. I'm going to do my best to to try and capture this, but I I just don't know if, or at least I don't know if I have the ability to put into words the roller coaster of emotions that you experience as like a self-employed entrepreneur. Because like, honestly, Rosalie and I will go from 10 out of 10 dancing around, life just couldn't be better to basically in tears and being overwhelmed, um, being like, how are we going to solve all of these problems that have just been thrown at us? And so, I, I mean, I always want to keep things real. So there's no like sugarcoating it. Like that roller coaster of emotion is so real. Like back as an employee, I had a reliable paycheck and a pretty good paycheck every two weeks. So it almost didn't matter in our portfolio, if something went wrong, if there was a shortfall on our cash reserves, it didn't matter because my paycheck could cover it, it could float it and, and we would be fine. And then once you kind of let go of that safety net and jump out on your own, everything, the dial on everything turns up so much because there is no other options. There's no other choice. Um, so I don't really know how to like, in, encapsulate that um, until you go through it. Like I wasn't prepared for that. I knew it was going to be hard. I didn't know how hard it would be. And I'm not saying this at all to discourage anyone because the, the one feeling that I still, almost every morning, I still can't believe people get to live this way. Like I truly can't. Like I am so, so lucky. Like this morning, I was hanging out with Riley we did a workout in the basement. Like for me, you cannot put a price on that. That is worth more than money, right? So on one hand, it is the best feeling in the world. And on the other hand, it is challenging and there's anxiety and stress. And I don't think you can solve those. I think you just sort of learn to like, to live with them and adapt to that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, you did actually a very good job of putting it into words. So okay, good. Yeah. I commend you, man. I commend you. And you used the word encapsulate. So that's a good word as well. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike, when you're going through this time and it's a, it's quite a roller coaster and I can attest to that having done the similar thing just literally a, a, a year after you did, talk about how you were able to cope with this. You know, you've got a you've got a good team. You were working with a coach. You've got a supportive partner. Maybe lead into working with a coach and why that was so important. You mentioned it here. I just was taking some notes here. Is before you actually made the jump, you you were working together to really systematize the the business aspect of it. The poor the systematize the portfolio and how important that would have been, knowing that you were going to be moving into this new space. So let's kind of dive into the support behind what you've been able to become. Yes. So, 
I mean, man, you nailed it with support. And whether that's a coach, uh, your spouse, like your partner, that's a huge one, um, your peer group. And what what I did, and I don't even know if I did it intentionally when I did it, but it it was it turned out to be a great move, was I had support all around me in so many different capacities, right? Like obviously Rosalie, I, I literally couldn't ask for a more supportive partner. Um, I had a real estate coach. At that same time, I was diving into personal development and surrounding myself with like like-minded people like you, Doug, um, and other other groups that I would have weekly calls with, weekly Zoom calls. So I didn't just have one leg of support trying to hold up my like real estate investing stool. I had many legs, multiple legs, and and you need them, right? Like because. It, it, it just keeps coming at you. And I kind of compare it for, for me, I compare it to vet school. Cause that's really the only thing I have to compare it to. And when you think about trying to become a doctor and trying to become a, a veterinarian, it, it seems like overwhelming, right? Like from, from the outside looking in, it's like, Holy man, that's a lot of work. But when you get there, when you arrive, like once you're accepted into vet school and you show up on your first day, they have so much support around you that you can't fail. Like you, you have, you have a fourth year buddy, you have a faculty member. That's, that's your primary liaison. They have your whole schedule for the next four years laid out in front of you. Basically, if you show up, you will succeed. Right. And this is part of the reason why the jump to real estate investing is so difficult is because there isn't a playbook just sitting there waiting for you to open it and follow the steps unless you go look for that playbook. And so you have to go and find those people that have, have sort of journeyed before you and learn from them. It kind of sounds like you created your own playbook in many ways. Well, some of it, absolutely. I mean, there's, you take pieces from, from, from others, right? Like learning from their, their wins and their mistakes. And then some of it, for sure is your own flavor and your own flair. Um, cause you have to do what aligns for you. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, before we jump into some more tactical stuff about what you do as a real estate investor now, which I think is, is going to be a fun conversation. I want to just take a moment to talk about working with a coach and how important that was in the development and the, the improvement, the growth of everything you were doing, obviously a big part of your support team. Um, but why work with a coach? Why invest in paying a coach so that you could become better at what you were doing as a real estate investor? Good question. I mean, th- there's lots of answers. The, probably the main one for me, honestly, is confidence, right? You have that person um, that you're, you're in constant contact. Like we had weekly calls and, and, and text messages almost daily. And you get that, like that support of someone who has done what you're trying to do. Right. And so, so a, a big part of that is confidence that comes out of yourself. And then just having that person to like, not so much hold your hand, but kind of help shine a light on some of the ways, ways to walk and help guide you. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've held off personally on working with a coach just just uh, up to this point directly, um, 
But, you know, I'd have to go back to you as the, as the prime example of what happens when you start working with a coach. I mean, your, your, uh, your growth from a, from a real estate investing standpoint has been substantial since, since that time. Not that it wasn't big before. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was the right choice. Like I do think, like, I don't think some you, that some people have to have a real estate coach, right? Right. Like it's not like it's make or break. You won't be successful if you don't have a coach, but I do think it shortens the timeline. Like I know for sure I, I would have left my veterinary job eventually, but it wouldn't have been in July, 2018, right? Like I still might be working as a veterinarian if I hadn't have gotten coaching. So for me, it just shortened that timeline and sped everything up. Mm-hmm, gotcha. So we're going to move now into what your real estate portfolio is, um, is like now in terms of what you do as a, as a real estate investor on a day-to-day basis. So it maybe kind of guide me through if there is a typical day and what you're focused on right now in your business. So, I mean, we've shifted our portfolio quite a lot. Um, The biggest changes that we've made, like as we talked about systematizing it for me leaving my veterinary job was I kind of pulled myself out of day-to-day property management, right? So that was a major change. We've outsourced all of that now to third party. Um, So that doesn't tie up my day, but you still have to manage the managers. How I spend my time now is basically constantly searching for like high quality multifamily real estate deals. And so that's where I'll spend most of my time is sort of deal like acquisition um, analysis. And there is a lot of work behind the scenes before you actually own an apartment building. And then once we do secure a building, I'll work with an investor. And basically what I'm looking for is a value add opportunity. So something that's under managed or under renovated, where we can go in, do renovations, make some improvements to management and improve the value of that building. And so I will quarterback that. And we just finished wrapping up our most recent project, Um, So we're finished all the renovations and we're just almost finished uh, filling the building now. And now that will just kind of go into the portfolio and continue on as a, as a long-term buy and hold rental. Okay, cool. So guide me through this process for somebody who wants to take, um, I don't know if take the jump is the right way of putting it, because I do know some people who just start out right away and they, they don't really want to buy residential property. They want to buy multifamily commercial properties. So what are some of the similarities between the residential real estate investing and investing in multifamily versus the differences that you see between these types of deals in terms of timelines, price points, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of similarities in that, like, I mean, it's still a place to live. So you still need to like manage your tenants, manage with respect. Um, Like I said, we have third party in place now. So it's more of communicating via the property manager. The numbers get bigger, but the ratios essentially stay the same, right? There are some efficiencies when you go to the multifamily space, um, sort of economies of scale, 
that allow you um, to, to outsource a few more things, right? So that's what we do. I've completely outsourced like all operations on it. And for me, that was, that was the most like appealing component to it as we were trying to scale was I could buy one apartment building instead of buying multiple houses. And then it's all in one place. It's one building. It's one place to drive to. It's one bank account. It's one mortgage. So it was just simplicity for me. Hmm. It brings up a really good point about some of the, I don't know, maybe misconceptions around multifamily investing and when the numbers get bigger, does that mean that things are better? Well, yes, in some ways, no, in other ways. So um, it's good to just kind of shed some light on that. When you're going through and buying one of these properties, can you talk about the timeline in terms of how long it takes to actually vet a deal, do the due diligence, actually find uh, an investor if you've already got one lined up, and then close on the property? What are the the main differences at that point when you're doing these bigger deals? Yeah. Okay. There's lots of components in there. So I'll touch on the, on the multifamily side. For us, I source a lot of our deals off market. And so that process is constantly operating in the background and can take a tremendous amount of time. So to give you an example, like I have apartment building owners that I'm in constant contact with and have been for over a year. And I don't know if we'll buy their apartment building or not. We may or we may not. So the sourcing and the the uncovering of a potential deal can take a very long time. The one we just finished, that was probably the fastest. And we made initial contact with the vendor in May and we closed the deal in October. Now, it, it could be done faster, but when you're dealing with off-market deals, um, so you're, you're speaking directly to the property owner, there's, I'm finding anyway, there's a lot of back and forth. Now, if we take just a traditional, like listed on the MLS apartment building for sale, I mean, they've already come to the conclusion they want to sell the building, they've put their price forward. So those deals can move faster because you just submit an offer and once you agree on terms, away you go. Once you have like an accepted offer to move through the conditions and the due diligence on an apartment building, I would say like it, financing nowadays is going to be your, your hurdle. So it really depends how you're financing your building. But I would say a, like if you're using CMHC, that can take anywhere from four to six months right now. So that's a long time. Um, some vendors, it's so long that they won't even allow that as a condition. Um, if you're going more conventional, you can shorten that. And so your closing time might be closer to three months. So the timelines on this are definitely a lot longer than a residential purchase. Yes. And you you come up against different obstacles. Uh, like in the apartment world, you'll do like environmental assessments, whereas in the single family uh, world, not so much. That's not something I had ever ran into until I started buying apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. You got a test for cat pee in the units. You betcha. Yeah. <laughs> so what makes a, a, you know, obviously the investment structures for any investment deal from a joint venture standpoint, for which is what you're doing with these. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So 
what makes a, a good like how do you structure a good deal for an investor because you've obviously spent a lot of time sourcing the deal doing the due diligence but it's a bigger amount of money to bring to the table so you know talk about the process of you know finding those investors and then showcasing the deal for them where do you where do you find these people how do you communicate with them what makes it a win-win for both you and them as an investor in the deal so this is my favorite part of real estate by far um, th this is what I love doing because it's the relationship component. Um, and we talked about when you had asked me how I got started in real estate, I, I kind of was a bit negative and I, I came at it saying that I got started in real estate out of desperation. And then once, once we, once I had got out of, out of my job and, and kind of moved into that space, I flipped over to inspiration. And what I mean by that is I, I can still remember the day out on my patio when I was like, wow, like, look what this, like what real estate investing has done for us. Imagine if we could bring this to other people. And that is where inspiration has entered my life and my real estate investing career. So when I'm looking for potential joint venture partners, for me, it is all about what can a real estate asset do to improve their quality of life? Because, th and this is my, this is just my personal belief or opinion, but that's really what it's all about, right? Like no one can get that excited about staring at an apartment building or numbers on a spreadsheet. It's what is that actually going to do for someone's life? So without going too far off tangent, how I sort of raise capital and then structure these deals is it's all about the relationship. So often my JV partners, I will have an ongoing relationship with them long before the real estate deal actually comes together. And so I'll know what are they looking for? Are they looking for cash flow every month or are they looking to grow their net worth so in 10 or 15 years they can retire more comfortably. And so I always work at it with what do they need? What do they want? And then find the deal that suits them. So that's how I kind of start to bring these pieces together is I build the relationship with my potential JV partners long in advance of actually finding the deal. Then I go and find the deal. And then when I have those two components that fit together, I just bring everyone together and away we go. And then as for the like nuts and bolts of like, what does this look like on paper? Basically, we sit down on a case by case basis and just do what makes sense for everyone, right? Like how much money are people bringing to the table? What's the ownership split? And just do what's right for all parties involved. Mm -hmm. I'd like to highlight some of the things that you said here in relation to some of the other guests that we have on the show, because the joint venture structure is such a frequently taught structure, uh, specifically for people who, you know, have tapped out their financial resources and continue or want to continue to grow a portfolio. And it's, it in some ways can be sold as, Oh, it's so easy. It's, it's so, it can happen so fast and, you know, head to the workshop or go to the seminar, you know, shake a hand and next week you're out buying six, seven properties. And I, I just have to 
push pause on that because we've now heard it from so many different people. It just, it takes time. You, you can't just, yeah, maybe it happens, but I mean, <laughs> do you, do you want to hop into a large investment with somebody on a, on a quick meeting? Yeah. Uh, you know, after one week, is that who you want to do business with? It raises a good question. And now I've heard it from a number of different people. It's, it's just such a big piece of this game. If you're going to go that route to spend time or invest time in really developing that relationship. I completely agree. I got to steal a quote from uh, my veterinary mentor. Um, he would always tell me partnership can be the worst ship to be on. And it's, I see this in real estate all the time where people just want to get deals done for the sake of getting a deal done. And so they'll slap things together and partnerships together and joint ventures together that have no business being put together and then be surprised in one year, two years, five years when everything crumbles and falls apart. And that, again, this is where, you know, I'm fortunate to, to learn from others on this and really take that, that approach where we stopped and, and gave it some serious, serious thought of what do we want? What do we want our life to look like? And we, we knew we wanted like our relationships with our JVs to be solid. So like we won't even do a deal with someone unless, until we have that relationship. We don't, I don't care how good the deal is or how much money they have. If the relationship isn't there, we're not doing it. Excellent point, man. Really excellent. It's, it's so critical. Just, yeah. we just can't, we can't go past it any further. Uh, Mike, again, it's just so fun to sit down and have a good conversation with you about what you do in terms of, you know, your portfolio right now. For those people who are starting off on a journey, or they may be in that kind of stuck zone, where they own one to three properties and, and they want to do what you did. They want to do something similar to what I did, which is leave a job and actually do this on a, on a much more um, intentional basis and build a business out of it. What are some of the first steps or uh, pieces of advice that you could offer to those groups of people who are really looking to get into this and really grow? Okay. So the, I, I would give the advice that I should have taken sooner uh, number one, I think, would be network. So just get out there, go to events, meet with like-minded people because um, you, you don't know what you don't know. I know that's cliche, but you have to get meeting people and it will just expand your, your sort of realization of what's possible, right? Like I know when we started going to events, I couldn't even think of someone owning 100 rental units. Like that was unfathomable. And then you start going to events and you see people that own hundreds and they're just normal people. They're, they're just normal people doing extraordinary things and you can do it too. So get out there and network would be number one. Number two would be start working on yourself. So whether we want to sort of wrap that in and call it mindset or personal development or personal growth, because you will need it. You need that personal foundation your real estate business will only grow sort of as high as your personal development allows it to. And then number three, which is, which is a much more like tangible concrete action step is become an area expert. So whatever market you're in, whatever type of real estate deals you're doing, 
know absolutely everything about it, right? Like walk the streets, bike the streets, drive the streets, know the sale prices, because that's your like competitive advantage, right? When you know everything, like the neighborhoods in Saskatoon we invest in, I know like everything about them. I know who lives in the houses. I know the neighbors. The neighbors call me if they hear of any house even coming for sale. And that's where you're going to really start to get that leverage and those good deals. And it's going to take time. It doesn't happen overnight, but you can start doing it right away. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point about, yeah, that, that being that area expert or really knowing the market or markets that you're investing in. Um, you know, I, I am a person who invests in a number of different markets. By the nature of the job that I had, I had the luxury, I guess if you want to call it, of living in a lot of different places and getting to know a lot of different places. And it's, yeah, it's just such an important thing to really understand the little nuances within a city or within a neighborhood. And as a point to bringing value to your joint venture partners, you've got to kind of look at it from their point of view as well. They've got the opportunity to invest in somebody who doesn't necessarily have a specific spot or, you know, clear indication of what type of product they invest in. And that person is asking for a six-figure investment with them versus a guy like you who has it locked in and dialed in on the particular types of properties that you're buying on the particular streets with the particular type of tenants, it creates much more value for them and much more trust. 100%. Like, you know, like you make your money on the day you buy in real estate, like on the purchase. And when you're bringing a deal to the table that other people just can't get, then you're bringing value. There's value in the deal. And then there's value in sort of me as the real estate expert, like quarterbacking everything all along the way. Mm -hmm, 100%. Mike, we're going to start wrapping up the show here. One of, or not one of, the mission statement or the new mission statement that we've kind of created for revenue with real estate is that we want to help people understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing so that they can lead a life they love. And the key point of this is understanding the real risks and rewards. We've been through a variety of different situations. We were talking about that emotional roller coaster in terms of taking that jump to become a full-time real estate investor. Obviously, there's some real risks, but there are rewards. So let's start with the risks. If you could narrow it down to one or two, what are the, the big risks that you see in real estate investing and how do you mitigate them? Ooh, okay. Good question. Um, First risk that comes to mind uh, is overpaying. Um, I would argue that there can be quite a bit of ego in real estate and there's a lot of pressure or perceived pressure to just buy deals and, and, and get that door count up, right? And sort of chase number of doors. So the biggest financial risk I could say is not knowing like the stage that your market is in and then overpaying for an investment property. Now, the good news is in real estate, buy and hold real estate anyway, time kind of has a way of healing all wounds. So if you hold that property long enough, generally you'll do okay, but you can set yourself back years and years and years by overpaying and kind of chasing a bad deal. 
So that'd be my, my biggest financial risk, I would say. Mm-hmm. Cool. And in terms of the rewards, what real estate investing has brought for your life, for your family's life, for your financial future? What has becoming a real estate investor rewarded you? Oh man, that one makes me smile so much because like I said earlier, I, I just still can't believe that people get to live this way. And I'm not saying that to make it a soundbite or to oversell it. It's truly like that is how I feel. Like that time freedom to have control of your day, uh, to be able to like, I get to watch Riley grow up and spend all sorts of time with her right now. Um, That is what it's about for me. You know, like that, it's just unbelievable. I can't really put it into words. Mm-hmm. The the lifestyle that I've been able to witness from you and and yeah you know the genuine smile um, as a result of what you've been able to do is really really cool. So uh, again, I commend you for su- your success and the inspiration that you brought me. I'm sure you're gonna bring it to a lot of other people as well. Whoever's listening to the show, uh, you know, I really hope so because, like I said, that that has been the biggest thing that has flipped for me is now you know through platforms like this or however I can get the word out. I just truly want people to step into that for themselves. Um, you know, if they have areas of their life that that they're not happy with or that they want to be better, it's possible to change that. And it's going to take time and it's going to take work, but it's possible and it's the rewards are definitely worth the effort. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Mike, if people want to get in touch, they want to find out a little bit more about what you do and... Uh, where you're investing in terms of YXE real estate, how can they get in touch if they want to find out more about you? Yeah, well, uh, our our business page, I guess, is yxerealestategroup.com. Uh, you can find us our website or on Facebook, um, but also just personally, like Michael Bug on Facebook, Instagram. I do have a michaelbug.com website that will be coming out in time. Um, so either of those ways. Awesome. And uh, a quick plug for you. you. You're still doing Mondays with Mike, right? I am. Yeah. I try and get on there every Monday and just hit hit record and see what comes out. Mondays with Mike, for those who need to check it out, is uh, I'm pretty sure it's pretty impromptu. Um, but Very Mike, impromptu. Yeah. Mike just gets real. He, he talks about real estate, talks about personal development, talks about finance. Uh, it's a good time. He's usually wearing his Seahawks t-shirt. He's not wearing it today. <laughs> But, uh, you know, it's nice to just hop on, see, uh, see somebody just giving some good value, um, for a quick little snippet. So keep it up Mondays with Mike. You gotta, you gotta check it out. Thanks Doug. Appreciate Mm -hmm. it. Michael bug or Mike bug for anybody who wants to search him on the revenue with real estate podcast. Thank you so much, Mike. Any final words? Just thanks, Doug. You know, I'm really grateful uh, and honored to be a guest on this. I mean, you're doing amazing things, so keep it up. Thank you for listening to the Revenue with Real Estate podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Just a couple of more things before you take off. If you want to learn more about Revenue, you can check us out at Revenue.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. On YouTube at Revenue with Real Estate, Facebook Revenue with Real Estate, or on Instagram at Revenue Canada. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, or anything that you want to share with us here at the show, please send us an email to info at revenue.com. Revenue with Real Estate, helping you understand the real risks and rewards of profitable real estate investing so that you can lead a life that you love. 
Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to welcoming you to the Revenue with Real Estate community. 